Welcome to another edition of the Darren Sargent Show. I am your host, Darren Sargent. This is the podcast where you get life advice from a single-handed perspective. You have no idea what you are in for today. I'm just going to tell you, you're in for a treat. It's the very first interview on the Darren Sargent Show, and we're rolling it out, not with just one individual, but with two. I want to introduce you to Ken and Chris Dillingham, brothers, I was going to say brothers from another mother, but I better not. They may get upset at me. This is the Dillingham Group. And I'm not even going to try to attempt to describe what that is. I'm going to let them do that. Hey, Chris. Hey, Ken. So good to have you on the show today. How you guys doing? Hey, man. I'm doing. I'm doing fabulous, buddy. It's good to. It's good to be on the. uh, Good to be on your program. Well, I'm glad you're here, man. You guys are in Ohio, correct? That is. Absolutely, one hundred percent correct. Uh, uh, my brother, who I think got kicked off the uh, phone call, actually, uh, he just texted me. Um, he is. We're we're in. Uh, he's in Toledo, and uh, I am in Dayton, Ohio. All right, he's calling in right now. Now hold on. Yeah, you know some of these guys, they just don't know how to operate technology. Are you there, Mr. Chris Dillingham? Happened. What what happened, bro? <laughs> Do they even have I mean, Ken was taken over and I think actually he may have been the one that kicked you off. No, I think that's what it was, bro. No. Yeah, he does he wants to he wants to completely dominate this interview. That's baloney. No. That's so baloney. What happened was, was the Amish guy needed the phone booth. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I don't know even what to say. That may be offensive to some people. It was that you, Ken. We're not that starting this. We're not starting this podcast out the right way. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh man. Well, as you can tell, these are these are two brothers that uh, are lifelong friends. I've actually I was kind of thinking about this today. I've known Ken uh, for several years. We've actually played golf together years ago. And yep. um, my wife, I think, went to Bible college with you. Is that correct, Ken? That, that is. Okay. Bible college. And my first introduction to Chris was at a Cajun restaurant in Lake Charles, Louisiana. Mm-hmm. You remember that, Chris? Come on, somebody. My yeah. goodness. Yeah. We That's need so to, crazy. We probably need to go back there and, and uh, have, some, have some gumbo. But uh, lifelong friends, tremendous. Uh, both of them pastor tremendous churches. And I thought with my very first interview episode on the Darren Sargent Show, it'd be cool to talk about what Chris and Ken have got going. They have, as I mentioned earlier, they have started what is known as the Dillingham Group. Now, like I said, I'm not going to try to define it. I'm not going to try to uh, give you what I think it is. I'm going to let them talk about it. Uh, Why don't we start with Chris? Chris, tell us a little bit about the Dillingham Group. And absolutely, it is. A distinct honor to be on the Daring Sergeant Show. Bro. Thank you like, very is, much. I appreciate this that. Is, this is big time, man. And you you so have man, finally arrived, bro. I, well, hey, hey, I'll, I'll take it. I'll take it. So, 
the Dillingham group, man, you know, honestly, um, my brother and I have talked for years. You know, of course, we've been very close in ministry. Um, you know, similar, traveled similar paths in ministry. They have both evangelized. Um, a little different as far as pastoring is concerned. He started church. I took over church. Um, I didn't like take it over. I got voted in. <laughs> it's a coup. It's a coup. Are we sure? Are we sure? <laughs> that's awesome. Uh, there's still some question. There's still some question there, but I'm pastor, so that's all that matters. But uh, so anyway, we started down this path, and we've both been, you know, really on the aggressive side as far as, as evangelism, reaching our world, doing some radical church events and some different things, and started on a journey. Oh, I don't, I don't remember this maybe four years ago now, where yeah, I recognized and realized that there were some things that, that we were doing that uh, we, we didn't really see the apostolic revival that we know God is capable of giving. Yeah. And so started on this whole journey of like, you know, there's obviously some things that are non-negotiables, they're not on the table, but we want to do everything we can to reach our world. So started on this journey about what do we do to create a true, multiplication discipleship culture that produces disciples that make disciples that make disciples churches that plant churches that plant churches and really trying to trying to reach our world and so just started out kind of on this journey and as we got into it we recognized and realized i don't i wouldn't have made it unless i had my brother walking with me through this journey there's no way i mean it just so many questions and so many well of course of course my influence too correct well, exactly. That goes I mean, without saying, that, right? That, yeah, I, I just assumed that was an understood there, so I didn't, I didn't mention that. But, um, you know, and so what I, what I what we got to talking about was there are a lot of guys, pastors, leaders that are, you know, in similar situations, similar circumstances, and, you know, wanting to come alongside and be a partner. We've, we've all seen and heard the church growth gurus and mm-hmm. you church my way and your church will grow and explode. And that's not what we're about at all. We're just about coming alongside and saying, hey, let's go on this journey about trying to figure out how to be this multiplication church culture, how to build that. And, and you know, there's some other components and aspects to building in group, but at the core of it, that's really kind of what we're about. Okay. And what we want to do is, is to help as many pastors as we can. That's awesome. Uh, Ken, would you add anything to that? I wouldn't even try, <laughs> except except that uh, except. the um, – <laughs> the amazing amount of balance that, that uh, you've offered in, uh, in, in uh, your relationship and uh, input. But we are, Thank no, uh, honestly, he's, he's, you know, I mean, he really did summarize it pretty well. And I think, you know, even though we, you know, like he said, we both evangelized, we both, um, you know, he was part of a church plant. Um, I, you know, I planted the church that I currently pastor and, and had a vision for, obviously more and an awareness in the scripture of what God can do. And we just started kind of looking at that and saying, man, is it, I mean, I believe we've got the right message. I believe we got the power. What, man, what are some, what are some methodological shifts that we could, that we could really look at that would help us, mm-hmm. you know, really reach the world to do the, you know, do the mission the way that we know it's possible. Awesome. You know, I, Chris and I probably, I don't know, two or three years ago, we're talking one day and, and he introduced me to, um, a, a resource that just really stirred me because I, I agree with you. I think that the struggle that, uh, 
all of us have is, okay, we know what is supposed to be. We, we know what God wants to produce in this hour, and yet we're not seeing it like we really want to see it. And I think we had to go back to, for me, when the, the resources a book, I'll, I'll put it in the show notes, but it's a book that I would challenge everyone to read. It's called The Starfish Movement, and a tremendous book. And it stirred me. I've read it now. I think I'm on my third or fourth reading of it because it just really, it really got a hold of me. And Chris introduced me to that. And it is all about, you know, a discipleship model that I don't know if we've really truly dived into, but dove into, but it is biblical. I mean, this is the model Jesus used and the early church used. Now, Chris, Ken, we are in the middle of one of the most incredible crises, if you want to call it, challenges in our culture. I'm in California. You guys are in Ohio. I think you guys are, your churches are open. We're still kind of on a lockdown mode. We're doing outside church. We're trying to get out of the box. But maybe one of you can just talk about this model in this current pandemic. This model that um, you guys have unearthed, that you guys are, believe, I believe God has directed you. We we've seen this shift in the last few years to a discipleship model. So this is something I believe the Lord is leading people to. But how does it work in this current pandemic when things are shut down, when people are distanced, when we've got so many different parameters placed on us? One of it, one of you maybe tackle that, or both of you, or just talk over each other. I don't care. <laughs> Go ahead, Ken. Well, I'll I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll just I'll because we, I mean we we've, we've operated together for a long time. What I'll do is I'll just take half of it and let him sort of finish the the back half. Okay. Um, I so so I think that if if you look at what, what I'll do is I'll put I'll put the context to the the sort of the the what you talked about the discipleship model of Jesus and the first church. And then I'll let my brother just kind of communicate what that, you know, potentially looks like in a, in, in this type of an environment that we're in right now, okay. if that works. Yeah, so, perfect. So basically, you know, basically the concept that, that, that I think has been sort of subconsciously delivered to us in the Western culture, in the Western world has been almost, almost what you would call institutional uh, like institutional churches that we, you know, we, we, we as a church are in a country that has seen massive amount of growth, economic growth. It, it was the, it, it, it was the, the center, the, 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 uh, I don't know, the epicenter of the industrial revolution. Mm-hmm. Um, there, so, so what happened was with, America began to be a place where institutions were like the model of success, you know, huge factories and big buildings and Carnegie libraries and the Smithsonian Institute and all of these things kind of created sort of this institutional perspective that I think the church and, you know, and of course the Catholic church is the, 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 the ultimate institution and I think that as sort of the Reformation moved, God was working a work. And I think Pentecostalism, particularly apostolic Pentecostalism, is sort of 
this let's return to the book of Acts model. Mm-hmm. And, but yet the one thing that I think that we still had was a mindset that institutions do it better. And we're going to, and so what we're going to do is, is we're going to gather to grow. We're going to do church better and better and better programs, buildings, budgets, all of these things. And we're going to bring people in and we're going to blow them away with what the church is and what the church does. And we're going to do church services. And I have, and people invited people, Hey, come check it out. And they, and, and came to church and it was this, this sort of come, come, let's gather to grow and uh, let's see who gets saved this Sunday and then go back and let's bring more people in next Sunday. And, and so this was something that we looked at and said, man, that just doesn't look like what Jesus did. Yeah. And so let me turn it over to my brother uh, to, to, to sort of, you know, contextualize it with this current climate. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, I think that's, that's a great setup. And I think, you know, one of the things, one of the things during this whole time that, that, that I'm really hoping for, I, I'm, I'm believing is happening, is there's an, a, a, a realignment, recalibration of our appreciation for our services, our gatherings, our time together as a church family and it's putting important. it in the public yeah, perspective. Sure. You know, I mean, obviously when something's taken away from you, you have a, you know, your reaction is now all of a sudden you appreciate a little bit more. But I think, I think to, to Ken's point, what's happened to the church has been, the service became the end, mm. you know, it became the end all be all. That's what yeah. it was all about. And so in order to keep that machine, the service, the, the ministries going, you had to plug people in, you know, to different things, different ministries to keep the institution running properly. And what that, what that has done has been to distract away from, from every spirit filled believers. First calling is to be a disciple maker, period. Before yeah. anything else, that is our primary calling. And so in this context, creating a discipleship culture where every single spirit-filled believer understands that my primary calling is to live as a missionary every single day where I live, where I work, where I play. Now, all of a sudden, with all of the restrictions and you know quarantine and everything going on, the, the institution may have been hindered or limited a little bit during this whole time but this is why i feel like this is such a god thing is god positioning us for such a time as this absolutely because you can't stop the church you can't stop somebody everyday missionary you can't you can't stop people from you know interacting and engaging being led by the spirit and you know you you may have to stay six feet away, but you can still engage in spiritual conversations. You can still mm-hmm. identify how discipleable somebody is. And so, is it possible? Is it possible that maybe God could use this circumstance, this situation? Absolutely. You know, you know, we we celebrated when all this went down. Everybody was like, "My God, the church is out of the church." Bless God. <laughs> and it wasn't really out of the church. We just got Not really right. Not really. Yeah. Not really. Yeah. We just did. We just did our services on the internet, and and maybe expanded it to more people. And then you dive into the Facebook stat, stats and realize that you know eighty percent of the people only viewed it for three seconds, and it kind of deflates the whole balloon. But exactly, but that it's it's you know those things don't replace that. But when you get people mobilized, and that's why our you know we're talking about what we're talking about our podcast coming up, the mobilized church. Is this is about mobilizing? Don't give it away yet. Don't give it away. I don't. Yet. Give it away I, was, yet, bro. I wanted to do that. Sorry. Oh, 
Hey, 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 let me throw something out, Darren. Yeah. Yeah. Let's listen to this. The, 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 the mission in the first century church, the mission was never modulated by martyrdom. (laughs) And the, right. The mission was never modulated by martyrdom. If the first century church grew in the midst of crisis and martyrdom, then I think, I think that what he's, what, what my brother's talking about and the question you asked is so spot on relevant to say, if the first century church mission wasn't, wasn't modulated by martyrdom, then if, if our mission is hamstrung by three or four months of not being able to gather, do we really have a missional culture? Exactly. Wow. You, you know, one thing that's really kind of stood out to me is um, we, you know, when, when all this happened, I think you touched on this just a minute ago, Chris, we celebrated, man, the church is getting outside of the box. I mean, we were so excited. And then now all of a sudden we're like, well, bless God, they're keeping us from inside the church. We're inside the, we got to get back, you know, and I understand. I get it. I get it. I don't want my first amendment rights to be, to be trampled on, but I think God is pushing us. I was praying the other day. I said, God, I need to learn everything that you want me to learn from this situation. And I don't think I've got there yet. Now with, with all of this, something, something came to me while you were talking, Chris, I think so often we, when we talk about Ken introduced this institutionalized concept, you know, we got to have a big church, big budget. Um, What it does to me when I think of it, it takes the responsibility off the individual that calls that building their church. It takes the responsibility of what we're called. This podcast is all about life advice from a single-handed perspective about being the person God called us to be. And I think it boils down for me, my perspective is if I look at the church as the end all, as you mentioned, it ends with my Sunday service. It ends with my Wednesday night service. That's it. That's the apex. It takes personal responsibility out of the picture. Man, that's so true, bro. That, that is 100% true. And one of the things that we've done, you know, the language that you use is so critical. And so here here in Toledo, you know, I told our church, we, we don't say anymore we're going to church. Our language is we're gathering with the church. And people say, well, that's just semantics, whatever. And no, because because language creates, you know, the, 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 the value is reinforced by the language you, you use, and then that reinforces the behavior. And so if, if you say i'm going to the church it it kind of um subconsciously creates this mindset that that building is the church the location location is the is the answer right so when we say we're gathering with the church it is a very intentional statement of recognizing and realizing that those people that i'm worshiping god with together in that service they're the church we're gathering with the church and when we leave we're still the church so, and I yeah. think that's a critical mindset shift, you know, to kind of get to what we're talking about, this, this, this book of Acts, you know, reaching our world model. Absolutely. Anything you want to add there, Ken? Well, uh, you know, you mentioned the Starfish movement just a moment ago, and I just, I had a, I just had a, I got off a Zoom meeting, I was about on an hour-long Zoom meeting with the author of that book, just right before we got on. Go here. ahead and say his name again so everybody knows. Dan Greider. Yep. Great Dan guy. Greider. Great guy. 
And yeah, he is. And I said, you know, and I made this, I made this statement to Dan. I said, you know, Dan, I said, the thing about it is, um, you know, and they know we're, you know, obviously he knows we're, we're Pentecostal. And I said, you know, Dan, the thing about it is, I said, what, what's amazing to me is that when the Holy Ghost fell on the day of Pentecost, they did not have a perspective that said, you know, hey, same place, same time tomorrow. And if we, if we, if we keep this sucker going for about seven days, this fire is going to get so hot that all Jerusalem is going to join us up here in this upper room here. But the but that but but actually that to prove that the spirit that is in the church because the Bible said by one spirit are you baptized in one body and so we're we're brought into the body of Christ through the spirit that places us in the body of Christ. Mm-hmm. What did that spirit do? They hadn't had the Holy Ghost very long until that spirit began to influence them to actually leave the upper room and go into the streets of Jerusalem with the message of redemption. That's so, so awesome. And it's true. I, I think I think we have a tendency to, you know, view the church as an aquarium where if we can get enough people in there and pastor has the right bait this Sunday, he may catch a few. And right. our responsibility well, that's, that's a is great statement. <laughs> and our responsibility has been, well, let's just get them into the aquarium. Um, or hopefully they'll just drive by because we have a slick sign. Or we did something on social media that caused them to say, Oh, I gotta go to that church. They got cool colors. Yeah. And yeah. we, we well, put the responsibility on the guy fishing from the pulpit. And that's in my opinion, that's not the that's not the model. That's not what we're supposed to be doing. I'm thankful every time I preach that someone, you know, not every time. Boy, I wish that was the case. But sometimes sometimes once in a blue moon when I preach that there's a fish that's that's out there ready to bite. And so we think we can get them in the aquarium and, you know, that's the answer. But boy, yeah. We're well, and you it. know what? A lot of times, a lot of times when we start having some of these conversations, people will misread or misunderstand Absolutely, the sure. services and that kind of stuff. And that's where I was saying earlier, hopefully there's a recalibration in the church about our appreciation for what, what the service is intended to be which is a time to come together with a church family to be edified, to be built up. It's not, it's not intended to be the ultimate in, in mission. Now we know that when we get, when we get together, we know cancers can be healed, diseases, you know, yes. cured. We know God can deliver from addictions and habits, put marriages back to all of those things. We totally know and believe all that. But we also understand that that's not confined just to what happens in the services. And when I, when I studied the book of Acts, there's so many of the miraculous things that took place and occurred that happened in, in a discipleship or in a public setting and, you know, uh, uh, not in a, what we would consider a church service setting. And, and so our mindset has to be, look, let's appreciate what happens in our services. Let's love coming together as a church family, Mm -hmm. but understand that is just a supplement to help us to go live and to be what God has called us to be every day. So good, man. Because I think we, we we come to church expecting what can we receive and forget that it's not the place just to receive something for us. And, and we do. We have that. That's part of it. There's There should be an edifying when we come together. But in my mind, it's a place where I am challenged to get outside of my box and interact with the world. Some people say, you know what? I don't have anything in common with, with my neighbor. Uh, 
Well, yeah, you do. You got a mortgage payment. You got a car payment. You're sure. raising kids. You know, you, you, you've got a leaky roof. You, you got a lot of things that are in common. And we, well, I'm going to get myself in trouble here. You guys are the experts. I'm just, I, I'm just, you know, venturing into some of this in my own brain. But the Bible never says that our gospel is the light of the world or the salt of the earth. It, it Good, says, yeah. it says we down. are, we are, we are the attraction. We are the city set on a hill. And so we have got to be, and if we don't attract people, you know, I, I frequent a lot of the same places in my town. I go, well, when I could, I go to the same Starbucks and I get to know people and, and they don't even know what I do. They just, oh, there's a one-armed guy that comes to our Starbucks. Woohoo! We got a one-armed guy. Um, but I'm trying to find a level that I can interact with them and connect with them. If I come yeah, in yeah. and I've got my, oh, I'll stop. But you, you know what I'm saying. I'm going to get myself no, no, in trouble. Well, well, you know what you captured right there? Here, here's what you captured. Uh, what, you, what you're talking about is is what I what 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 we term. Um, you know, we 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 did a podcast recently. We'll let you talk about that later if you'd like but we did we did a podcast recently that we talked about the 14.3 versus the 85.7 principle and the the 14.3 principle is 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 basically is your missional is your missional impulse on the 14.3 percent or is it on the 85.7 percent probably everybody's like what are those numbers i don't have any idea what those numbers are but what those numbers actually represent, 14.3 represents the percentage that one day makes in a week. Huh. <laughs> and and if, if our missional impulse is, the, is, a, is a 14.3% or a 14.3 model, that means that we're going to spend 14.3% of our energy on doing the mission, or, 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 or we're going to spend... A, uh, 90% or 95% or whatever of our energy on 14.3% of our missional potential. If, if, wow. if, if fishing for the fish to put in the aquarium happens only on Sunday and we don't have mobilized people that live like missionaries where they live, work and play. Then my question is, is our greatest missional potential opportunity in the 85.7 or is it in the 14.3? And and so we don't we don't say well the fourteen point three is irrelevant and blah 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 no what we want is we want a hundred percent missional impulse which means every single day including what we do on Sunday but what about Monday through Saturday absolutely wow man and and to tag into that I mean you know think about it we to keep things operating keep things running and this is really kind of the tipping point for I think both of us is. You know, we launched the inner city work, and I, I recognize and realize the energy and the effort that it took to do services and ministry and have music and children's ministry and student ministry and all that. And I got to look into the community of 500,000 people and thinking, man, if I really do a good job, I might be able to do this four or five times more before, it, you know, it's time for me to, to pass it on to the next person. And I'm like, that's just not good enough. It's not good enough to reach the energy that, level. That we, we don't have that kind of capacity. We don't no. have that kind of capacity. 
And so, so it's really started taking a long, hard look of like, we're taking people who are working 50, 60 hours a week, putting, you know, all of these responsibilities for like, like my brother said, for just a small percentage of, of mm-hmm. the week to get that done. And then, I, I, so as he was talking, I was thinking, um, several months ago, I was on a, on a, uh, webinar call with uh, a group from Barna Research. And they've got a bunch of statistics out. And I, I don't remember the exact numbers and all statistics are made up anyway on the spot. So I'll just make them up. No, I'm just kidding. So 98%, 98% of the statistics are made up on the spot. 98. Mr. So, Stat there. Um, <laughs> the, the, point, the point of the call was a very large percentage, particularly of millennials and younger, don't see a correlation between where they work and their mission. Yeah. yeah, I'm talking like I'm talking like three fourths of millennials and two thirds wow. of, of all adults. And so I did a deal here for our we call it our Timothy group and, and uh, Lydia, our Timothy Project Lydia group, which are kind of our young ministers in training and so forth. And I asked them that question. And, all, you know, a lot of them were like, yeah, I'm not kind of do, but not really. And so I, I posed the question, imagine if you spend the overwhelming majority of your time, you feel a call of God, you want to make an impact on your world, but you're spending the overwhelming majority of the time that you're awake in this world at a place where you don't see connection between God's call and mission on your life and where you're spending all that time. Imagine how frustrated and miserable and hopeless and and always looking for, well, you know, maybe I need to be just full-time ministry so I can do this. What if we trans? What if we transferred that mindset that said, "No, God put you in that job. God put you in that home in that neighborhood. God connected you with people around you for a purpose and for a reason. He put you in there for a mission, and you live every single day. So when you go at work, yes, you're paying bills, you're making money, you're, you're growing yeah. and living, but you're also living every day on mission. How much more fulfilled will you live than just thinking?" that the only time you're ever living on mission is when you're coming to the church and doing your ministry mm-hmm. thing. Wow. Mm-hmm. I think we've salt really... Light, like Darren said. Go ahead, Ken. So I said salt and light, like you said, Darren. Yeah. I mean, you know, going into Starbucks and going into, it's, you know, it's, it's mission. It's, it's everywhere all the time. It doesn't turn off and turn up, turn on. I, I think we, so good. I think we get into a, I, I love, I love going to a restaurant. <laughs> They're all closed down unless you want to get outside here, which, by the way, just letting you know, Ken and Chris, we have some amazing weather here in San Diego. And in January, <laughs> if this is still going on, I'll still be able to eat outside. Just saying, okay? Um, that is true. But we I love I love going to a place where there's good service. I love going to a restaurant where it's good service and and they're they're taking care of what I need. And I I think we take that uh, desire. And we put it up on a church. Well, can they serve my needs? Do they have this? I'm reminded of something that happened a few years ago. We had a couple showing up for a little bit, but they eventually left because we didn't we didn't have the right ministries for them. And I'm not saying we shouldn't have the right ministries. I'm not saying that we shouldn't be, you know, trying everything we can to meet the needs of people. But if that's our main focus. I think we're missing something because mm-hmm. it, most of ministry happens Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Just a, like yeah. you said, Ken, just a small 
percentage yeah. happens on a big, Sunday? The the big it's it's either going to be big C and little me, which is Christ and 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 little me, or it's going to be little C and big me, and the little C is not going to be Christ. It's going to be consumerism. Hmm. Well, ain't that the truth? And that consumerism <clears throat> and that consumers, which goes back to what we talked about when you asked the question about you know this environment, this culture, and where we're at, and how could this work? That the whole institutional thing, that the the whole you know industrial revolution, and and the the an enormous amount of uh, of success materialistically that our nation has had, and how I mean, I'll never forget when I had when when remember when we were in that series or that period of time when like computers were expanding so quickly that basically you had buyer's remorse before you ever took the computer out of the box. <laughs> right. Remember yeah. that you take yeah. the computer out of the box and, and, and you take the computer out of the box and you, you know, you fire it up and whatever. And then all of a sudden you hear an ad and the ads like, you know, the next generation processor. And you know, you're like, well, oh, man. I just took my computer out of the box and it's a dinosaur already. Yeah. <laughs> and, and it, you know, and it kept it kept people in this mindset of saying, you know, the next one, the new and improved, yeah. so on and so forth. And I think I think it appeals to that sort of consumeristic nature. And when those people said to you, "Well, you really don't have the right ministries here for us," basically that proves that they were going into that whole situation not looking for a place that could help hone the giftings that God's put in them for my, missional my. success. Yeah, but they were looking for a place that basically could. That, that they could consume the services. <laughs> yeah. We we can get we can get so so enamored with upgrade upgrade theology. Yeah. You know, when when all along it's going back to what has been tried, tested and proven from scripture. So good. And, so good. Um, okay guys, well, I mean this is this is unbelievable and I mean we could probably go forever, but um Let's talk about what you guys have been working on. I know the Dillingham Group uh, been in on some of your calls, excited about excited about what you guys are offering. I know with the current situation, it's kind of changed. I'm sure that dynamic. Um, I was very excited when I found out you guys, um, and you're hearing it here first on the Darren this Sargent is a, this Show. This is an exclusive. This exclusive. is an exclusive because you guys are launching, I believe. Here in just a few days, you can fill me in on the details. But the Mobilized Church podcast, I am, I'm, I'm geeked out over this. So tell me, <laughs> tell me, we chose and we chose the Darren Sargent show for. <laughs> I'm telling you, for, unveiling. The, I feel like TMZ <laughs> right now. I'm, I'm releasing something into the world that it, it, just you guys. Could you do me a favor? Could you do me a favor? Uh, Could, <laughs> boy, you both were hesitant. You both were hesitant. Could you just remember me when you come into your kingdom? Oh, geez. Just, just remember me. Uh, but I'm very excited to to kind of just um, announce this, the Mobilized Church podcast by the Dillingham Group. Uh, when is it going to be released? On I'm sure on every platform, but when is your official launch date for the Mobilized Church podcast? Yeah, so we're 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 thankful. I mean, you know, it only cost us five thousand dollars to get this announcement on the show. So hopefully, it's been that well, right? <laughs> you know what? Is that yeah. check in the mail? 
because I haven't seen it yet. When we get off this call, I'll give you my PayPal, my Venmo, my Cash App. I'll give you I'll give you everything. I mean, you can even give five thousand dollars to me in DoorDash credits. I don't care. Hey, that check that check will remind you of the Blue Bill Blues Brothers song "Rubber Biscuit." <laughs> Boy, you just dated you just dated yourself, kid. I know, right? Oh, you just dated yourself. Like the, the Blues Brothers. Blues Brothers. Who's that? No doubt. No doubt. So, trying to get back on track here. Yes, we, please. We do, have, we do have the Gillingham Group Mobile Apps Church Podcast, and it will be launching mid next week. And okay, give me a uh, date because we'll be- this is going to be played probably on Monday of next week. We're actually. Uh, recording this on Friday, uh, the what is today the twenty fourth, and uh, this will air on Monday the twenty seventh. So it'll be so launched forward, on when? Look forward on Wednesday the twenty ninth. Wednesday, man, I'm so excited for it, guys. Thank you so much, man. What I, um, I, I would, I think we probably need to follow this up once you guys launch your podcast, and maybe right. do another episode and talk about. Uh, some other areas of discipleship and, um, you know, kind of, kind of expand our discussion. I just wanted to introduce you guys want to introduce your podcast, want to talk a little bit about discipleship. So, uh, any closing remarks, anything you guys want to say in the final few moments here of the show? I would just say real quick, um, you know, if people want more information, they can, they can check us out, uh, the Dillingham org, and also on our Facebook page. And, uh, you know, like you mentioned, you know, uh, the whole, the whole quarantine COVID thing kind of changed some things that we had planned kind of in the works. Mm -hmm. Um, so, you know, those things are still happening, but we certainly, there's, there's a place on our, on our website page that if you want more information or interested in just having a conversation with us to talk about how maybe we can come alongside and help in the process, you can fill out a form. We'd love to, to get in touch with you. And, um, you know, just, awesome. just again, we, we don't, and this thing, Darren, I just want to just, I'll close with this, turn over my brother, but you know, we don't, we're not, we're not gurus. We're not, we don't have to answer people. We're just, we're just trying to do everything that we can to be the, the apostolic church that we know God is destined for the end times. And what we found is there are, there are so many pastors and leaders that are on the same journey with us together. And so, man, we just want to try to bring all that together and, and, and see how we can grow and collaborate together. So, man, we appreciate the opportunity to be on with you today. Man, Chris, I appreciate yep. it. Ken, anything else you want to say? Yep, Darren, I just wanted to, to say uh, in all sincerity, we do appreciate you and your friendship and and uh, you walking down this road with us and just kind of, you know, partnering uh, partnering with us in in looking at what this looks like in in real life in real terms, not uh, just in honor, a theoretical man. bottle. And uh, and thank you for having us on your show today. And we're we're we are pumped about it, and uh, looking forward to what God does and circling back and continuing the conversation. Absolutely awesome. Well, I will put all the information about the Dillingham Group. In the show notes, you'll have them when this episode launches. Again, Chris, Ken, you guys are awesome. Thank you so much for taking some time today. And I look forward to what God's going to do through all this. And I'm very excited about the Mobilized Church podcast. You're going to have to check it out. 
Thanks again, guys. Thanks Take for having care. I'll be right back, guys. Next episode of the Darren Sargent Show. Hey, if you want to learn more, look at darrensargent.com. Some of these things that we talked about, the starfish movement, different things that we referenced will be in the show notes. Have an awesome day. We'll be back soon.